Hey, are you ready to move your life? I mean, really move it? It's time to turn up the dial on your energy, your health, your sport performance, your happiness, and your relationships. If you want to live with more freedom, more adventure, more passion, more fun, and more success, if you're ready to get your brain in the game and achieve the most out of every area of your life, then it's time to move to live and live to move with your host, Jill Summers. Hello, you made it, you're here, you're in the right place if you're ready to dial up your life. This is Jill with Jill M. Summers Performance Coaching coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, here with Kim Taylor for the podcast series called Not in Kansas Anymore, Kim Taylor's Journey to Ironman, Arizona. We are here um, oh, about a week away from the race, and so we're talking all about race preparation. One of the things we talked about last week is how the funnel gets very small and centered and centralized and focused now that we're getting closer and closer to the race. We're being very, very specific in our mindset, in the arousal level, in preparation specifically for race day. What are the things that Kim is going to pack and what's the nutrition she's planning on doing on race day? What's the nutrition she's planning on doing while she's in Arizona before the race? And very, very specific, specialized content. So as we have centralized or focused this funnel, Kim, what's that bringing up for you? We've gone from the general big picture training down to the specific, 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 and we'll get even more specific next week. Just a little, a little hint there, but what's coming up for you now that we're getting much more race specific? Well, the biggest thing really is it's just making it more of a real thing. Like it's just feeling very real up until recently I've been focused on training and doing that. And yes, in the back of my mind, I know that I'm working towards this big race and this, big event but it's felt so far away that really I've just been focused on what I'm doing and now as it gets more real uh, the reality of what I'm going to go try <laughs> is setting in and it just it just basically makes it real like it's coming it's here when you start actually focusing on the race you realize just how big of a goal this is um, and it can get a little overwhelming and daunting at times thinking about it yeah we talk often about how do we accomplish big ass things in our lives. And there's this saying, I was talking with a client and using the saying the other day and she's like, could we stop using that saying? It's kind of disgusting. And here is the saying, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> I've never heard that. One bite at a time. <laughs> and the client's like, you know, the, the image of eating an elephant is really kind of disgusting. Let's change this. But but this is sort of an old saying in, in terms of um, when we talk about leadership or time management and how do we accomplish big things. You take the big ass goal and you just focus on one piece at a time. Like you were just saying the Ironman training is such a big thing that you have to just focus on basically one day at a time. You get the training plan, you just focus on one day. And even more specialized in that and specific in that day is like one interval at a time. And and one of the great ways to really lose uh, your <laughs> sorry, I guess I feel like swearing today, but <laughs> really if you really want to lose your shit during a training is to get wrapped up in the big picture like yeah today I'm just doing one small interval but man how am I going to do the overall race and that's where we have to train the brain to stay really centralized focused and and in the moment so like you said you've been doing a really good job of doing that and focusing on the the day-to-day -day stuff and now there's sort of this juxtaposition where it's like oh I do need to start thinking beyond this week and into the race preparation and what am I going to be packing and I leave in a week I'm flying and I'm not going to have all of my comforts with me so what's coming up around around all that I know we talked about your packing list a couple days ago but 
Uh, hear about this? Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a little overwhelming, like just all that goes into it. You know, what am I packing? What am I taking? Making sure I have everything. Um, and actually I'm packing in two different stages because I'm actually, I'm having my bike transporter shipped rather than taking it with me. And I'm sending some gear with my bike too. So having to have a pack list that's going with my bike and a pack list that's coming with me and, and going through the mental checklist of everything that you need and what nutrition am I going to need? And am I packing it or am I taking it? What possibly would I need to wear for any kind of weather possibility? Because that is a bit of an unknown. And so it's just overwhelming to think about. And it's almost so overwhelming that I sit down to write a packing list and I can't focus because my brain is just going a hundred miles an hour. And that's coinciding with, you know, people always say you get crazy during taper week. And I mean, I can see it. I've, I'm enough around enough triathlon people. I know like intuitively from what they tell me, but when you experience it for the first time yourself, you kind of understand what they're talking about a little more. And so having extra time because the workouts aren't as long and then having nervous energy built up in anticipation of race day along with a really long task um, list of things to do. It's kind of a bad combination <laughs> to try to be organized with it. So um, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, right now lists are your best friend because you're absolutely right. The brain just isn't um, quite as organized and centered as it normally is. And, and that's to be expected. Anytime that the mind and the body are preparing for a really big task, it, it is not um, the most <laughs> spot on. I, a funny, funny story. Um, it was either my first or second Ironman. I don't remember, but I was staying at my mom. She lived about a half hour away from the course and uh, I thought, well, this is going to be awesome. I'm not going to be wrapped up in all of the athlete energy, and uh, I'm really going to enjoy. She was out in the country. I'm really going to enjoy the peace and quiet of the countryside. And I made the big, big mistake of not preparing my nutrition roadmap. I'm like, I'll have plenty of time the, that last week before the race. I'm going to do it then so I'm not sitting around twiddling my thumbs. And my coach at the time was like, you know what? You should pick up a good book that you can read during that week. And I'm like, what are you absolutely nuts? I'm not sitting around to read a book. But her, her thought behind that was just to enjoy the, the leisureliness, the sitting around that gives your mind something to focus on. Well, I did not do that. And um, the driving back and forth ended up being very stressful because it added a lot of logistical time um, elements to my day. In any case, I'm at the house, and I believe this was on um, Friday. The race was Sunday, and Saturday, of course, we had to turn in our T1, T2 bags and our special needs bags, and I was going through my nutrition plan, trying to get everything packed, know exactly how many calories I needed to have and which bag they were going in which, and I could not add one plus one. It was the craziest, most unreal experience that I've ever had. And I went through that nutrition plan probably 10 different times. I was getting so annoyed with myself and the whole process. And my daughter was, I think, 15-ish at the time, and she had a friend over, and they were outside playing in the pool and laughing. They were having the greatest time ever. Mm. And it was so sweet if I had been in my normal mind, but I was not in my normal mind. I'm like, you girls have to shut up. <laughs> 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 it was not a proud moment. And my mom, I could hear my mom go out to the to the pool and she's like, girls, I think maybe you need to go. Your mom is getting a little uptight. And I'm like, I am not uptight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe we should make a, a promise that if I do have a moment in Arizona where I lose my shit like that, we'll put it on Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me get my camera. Okay, go. Everybody can see it. Like. <laughs> it's just a very interesting experience. And um, I guess I, I purposefully share that story with you because uh, if and when you experience those sensations to know that it's absolutely normal and it doesn't mean that you're not prepared or that you 
don't have your mind in the right framework. It just is what happens. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of planning for that, I guess. And my goal is to have lists made. Uh, we talked about doing it this week while I'm not quite as crazy. Um, I'm a little time challenged this week because it is a work week. So I'm doing what I can. Um, but I figured the more organized I can be before the few days before the race, the better. So I'm working on that. Yeah. I think that is so, so smart list that you can just rely on and you don't have to use your brain to rely on anything. You can just right. yeah. checking it off the list. Yeah. That's so good. What would you say your thorn bud and rose are this week? So as a reminder to the listeners, we've been talking about the thorn, the bud, and the rose. And the thorn is, what's the thing that's agitating right now? It's that little thorn that's poking at you. And then the bud is um, what's on its way. What's about to develop? What are you looking forward to? And the rose is what are you celebrating? What's already here? So what are your thorn, bud, and rose this week, Kim? Mm. Well, I think my thorn this week is something we just discussed, really, is the nervous energy and the anxiety of not only the race coming, but of all the details that now have to be taken care of, uh, whether it's packing and travel and logistics getting there. And I mean, I've done plenty of triathlons, but this is my first one of this nature. So transition and things are very different than just a smaller triathlon that I do here. And so there's a lot of potential of, of, okay, of screw up of not knowing what's going on or details being overlooked or things out of my control happening with travel and my bike being shipped. And so I would say really it's the nervous energy of over just all the minutiae and details that are now coming to get ready for race day uh, and dealing with the nervous energy in anticipation of the race um, is probably the biggest thorn right now. I've kind of let go of the, my thorn in the past has been a lot about fear of the outcome now I'm just ready to kind of go do it and see what happens. And the thorn is more all the details to get between here and there. Mm-hmm. And the bud, you know, my bud all along has been moments uh, here and there. And I've been kind of purposely avoiding race day as the bud because that's kind of the big grand poobah, I guess. And so well, the last podcast before race day, my bud is just looking forward to race day and seeing what happens. And uh, my rose, what I'm celebrating is, you know, I would say, and I've done this in the past, I would say that, you know, celebrating my effort up to this point, but I'm going to be more specific about it because there's something psychological one about hitting taper, I guess, you know, the hard work's over, this isn't taper. And, you know, it's a shift in the brain just a little bit. And the, the, tendency for me is to kind of want to let up a little bit and, and okay, I'm so tired. I'm just ready for this race to get here. And the workouts are getting a little harder to get out the door and do. Um, And there's still some that have been fairly difficult to do and and intense that have had me cussing, you know, the sending you texts that it's possible I may have cussed you today kind of workouts. And so with a lot more mental struggle of, oh, well, just one workout's not going to matter. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to get any better before race day. This workout doesn't really matter kind of mentality when I'm not wanting to work hard. I've been able to push myself and put in the effort anyway. So, I mean, I'm celebrating everything up to this point, but in particular my effort in the last week or two when the tendency is to let up a little bit. That's awesome. And you've been at this a long time. We talked about this in one of the previous episodes, but you've been training since September of last year with a very specific focus to, at the time you started out doing the the half Ironman and then the, the full was added, but it's a long time to have a focus on one thing. A very long time. Yeah. And Really, that was one of the reasons I wanted to do an Ironman is because I wanted to prove to myself that I could focus on something for that long of a period of time. And I've shown myself that I'm more than capable of doing that. And so in that regard, it's been a success, but it definitely has been quite a long time. It's been over a year and I'm definitely feeling that 
pull to be done and to move on to something fresh and new and different. Um, I'm already fantasizing about what I'm doing next. <laughs> so tell us, yes. tell. are you willing to share? Uh, well, there's lots in the plans. I don't know what actually comes next, but I have a lot of uh, goals. I'm trying to build a, my wellness business. I think, I think we've discussed that, but, um, building a, a clinic that focuses kind of on wellness and lifestyle and, um, and getting that going. And, uh, I'd like to write a book and I want to travel and do some hiking and, there's, there's lots on the radar. I just don't know exactly what comes next, but I'm definitely starting to fantasize about something fresh and something new and a new goal. And I'll go in with that new goal with the knowledge that I can focus on it long enough to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And which in the past has always been an Achilles heel for me. I kind of float from project to project without ever staying committed long enough to really see it through to the end. And so this has been a really good lesson for me in that regard. It's so interesting because I think that's common for a lot of people. We have, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's not even a double-edged sword, but it's an interesting cycle because we have these desires and these interests to do, th- to do things big. But then we get partway into it and we lose attention and focus because it hasn't happened quickly enough. And then we have um, internal message to ourselves that say, I'm using this generically but you know I suck I can't commit I can't complete anything but I still really want that big thing but I keep backing off and there are all these resets that happen between here and there but when you get to really prove to yourself that oh look I do have the ability to stick with something and that builds that internal confidence then you're like oh yeah man I'm using that confidence for the next thing Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, I will take forward with me into my next project what I have. It's it's kind of a muscle that I've built, really. It's not only proving myself that I can do it, but it's building that muscle, practicing. Back to that practice, patience, and persistence. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm building that that skill set over over the last year. So. Yeah, that um, is such a powerful and important piece when it comes to really wanting to attain things that make us feel awesome. And I, when I say things, I don't mean cars and houses and money. I mean that internal sensation of, you know what? I can really rock this. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say the internal sensation of joy that I have right now looking back at what I've accomplished in the last year is far greater than anything I would ever feel going out and buying a new car or, you know, anything of that. You went through that period of time in your life, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I used to go out and buy, you know, like shop and buy things to make myself feel happy in the moment. And I had the, I don't know if you want to call it the misfortune, because uh, I'm very fortunate to have had the income to be able to do it, but I would go out and buy big things <laughs> and take big trips and spend lots of money. <laughs> it wasn't just a trip to the mall and buy two or three new outfits. It was a new car or, you know, something big. Yeah. And it was meant to be happy. And what was the result of that? Were you happier? Well, it was very fleeting. I was happy in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that wears off pretty quickly. And then you look for the next thing that makes you happy. You know, we've talked about that, you know, trips or whatever to look forward to. It would always be something I need to have something. And I actually just read uh, that, you know, there's a difference between being happy, which is situational. And, you know, I would always seek out situations that would make me feel happy, but they're always fleeting and they don't last. And then there's a state of being, uh, enjoy. Hmm. And you may not always be happy, but you are living in a state of joy. Uh, there are two different things. And so, um, you know, I'm not always happy now. I'm certainly not happy when I'm in the pool and I'm doing intervals that make me cuss my coach. But the joy that I feel from the satisfaction of doing it um, far outweighs that momentary unhappiness. So they're very different things. That, that's profound, Miss Kim Taylor. Listeners, yeah. When she has her wellness clinic open, you've got to go see her. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep you posted on uh, the 
unfolding of all of that. It's really exciting because it's kind of long. Yeah, it's starting. In place. Yeah, yeah. It's it's up to speed with where that is. Well, right now we, we kind of are doing a, a soft opening really to try to get some logistics nailed down, but we're going to start with um, kind of a weight loss program that really focuses more on helping people change rather than focusing on the weight loss and um, with the idea being of not being a hamster wheel. You know, a lot of weight loss clinics, they come in, do a six-month program, and they go home, they're back a year later, and they do it all over again, and it's just a rotating hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. The idea is to bring people in and actually initiate change that stops that cycle. Uh, and so, you know, it's really early. We're still kind of figuring out what we're doing and, and whatnot, and I hope to expand it once I have some time into uh, some educational stuff and maybe some nutritional uh, meeting, you know, monthly nutritional education classes and things like that as well. So I mean, there's a lot in the, in the works, but it's early on, but the doors are kind of open. So that's exciting. That's super exciting. Wow. If people wanted to find out more about the clinic and what the progress is when you're open for taking uh, customers, clients, how could they find out more about that? Well, our, we do have a website. It's not completely up to date uh, with all of our information, but it is an active functional website at this point. It's taylorwellnessinstitute.com. You can just go to that. And so Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, wellnessinstitute.com. So listeners, if you are interested in staying up to speed with Kim's progress with her Wellness Institute feel free to go to that website and keep watching for the progress. Understand please that it's, it's a uh, working piece in, in process. So it's what you see there is not total completion. So that's some difference with that, but, but, and we weren't planning on actually stating this right now, uh, but I think it's worthwhile so that they know to keep following your progress. What I love about, about your situation or your story is that you've lived it you haven't just read about weight loss and transformational change in books. I mean, you've been living it and what you've accomplished on the other side of mindfulness and awareness has been really profound. And that is the best teacher ever because we've talked about this before. Words cannot teach only experience teaches. And if we're looking at the value of the experience you've had, you're a freaking master. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm master level yet, but I've certainly maybe graduated from novice. <laughs> Listen, I've seen you wax on and wax off often. I think you're pretty close to mastery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like I do have some things to offer from personal experience. And there's definitely a difference between knowledge and book knowledge and understanding theories and principles and wisdom of the real world practicality of it all and understanding where people are coming from. I think that's the biggest thing that I have to offer uh, is because when people tell me, Oh, you don't understand. I'm like, no, I do. Uh, I really do. So I think that's the biggest thing that I have to offer. I can't wait for you to be able to share your story with your clients. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's I a, see it's a work in progress. I see big pictures of you at Ironman on your wall in your clinic. <laughs> I have to have a clinic first. We don't actually have a physical address at this point. We kind of are leasing some space. But, um, yeah, maybe someday. Yeah. It's on its way. It's already in the works. Yes, it's on its way. I have big visions for it. Five years from now, I think it will be a really good thing. When we uh, bring this back to your race experience and you start thinking more and more about what's coming up, what would you say is the biggest thing that you're looking forward to? The biggest thing I'm looking forward to yes. on race day. Or, or the, um, the ra- we're going to call it the race weekend because race weekend. the whole thing is an experience. Okay. 
Well, we've done a lot of work on letting go of the outcome, but I will say that probably the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to um, is the end. Like, and, and whether or not that's finishing in time or finishing, but still being a little bit past time and getting a DNF in my official race results or not finishing, uh, but knowing that I've given it my best, that moment that it's over, I'm looking forward to because um, not only because, okay, it's over, like I can breathe, I can rest, I've done it, it's done. There's a feeling of satisfaction in that, but um, it'll be a celebration. Um, but letting go of the outcome, I would say that the, the other thing that I'm really looking forward to in a more generic way is I've been to a lot of these events. I have a lot of friends that do these things and I've been a spectator and I've been a supporter. I've traveled to races to support people specifically. Um, and in particular, just a couple of years ago, I went and watched one of my good friends do her first Ironman and spent all day out there supporting her and cheering her. And um, It's a very good atmosphere and a very fun thing to do. But every time I go, I kind of have this pain that, you know what, I wish I was doing it. And so I had this feeling in Maryland, and I have a feeling that's how it's going to be in Arizona too, that just the emotion and excitement of actually being at the event as a participant and not as a fan or spectator or supporter for the first time will be big. Mm -hmm. And so just taking in race weekend as a participant is going to be, is what I'm looking forward to. You mentioned that you've been feeling extra appreciative about the people who have supported you. Yeah, yeah. I feel very thankful and blessed that I have such a big support group in a variety of ways. And um, I've been able to come around to a place where I actually can accept that and be thankful for it and take it in and let it support me and build me up and not be so self-absorbed in how unworthy I am that that just stuff just washes off and actually makes me mad. <laughs> like we've had, I think we talked about that in an earlier podcast about being able to allow the support in. And so the more I'm able to do that, the more and more gratitude I have towards that and thankful and appreciative because I understand and recognize its value. So is there anybody that you want to call out now? Um, Wow. Yeah, there's a list. <laughs> um, you know, it, there, there's a list. It does take a village. And I, I, I will start with my first coach, my local coach here, who I did a lot of weightlifting and stuff with early on and trained with her before Maryland, which has really built a base that's kind of helped keep me injury free. And that's uh, BK uh, Kissinger here in town. And um, I'm very thankful. And she still to this day is very supportive in, uh, you know, has poured her heart and soul into my success. And then also, obviously, I want to thank my current coach. <laughs> He's been very instrumental in everything. Um, and then my body worker, Elisa George, has been a godsend and a miracle worker keeping my body healthy. And my nutritionist, Angie Ash, has been a miracle worker in, in helping keeping me healthy and, and on track with my nutrition. And people who've ridden with me and, and, and swam with me and, and run with me, and in particular, my good friend, the one that did Chattanooga Ironman that I mentioned, her uh, Mandy, uh, she'll be in Arizona, and I'm really thankful for all of her support. She goes out and rides four-hour bike rides with me just because she doesn't have to, and so that's really appreciated. And, um, you know, my best friend, Renee, and her husband have been really supportive. They feed me dinner every Sunday night after my long workout. And, and, um, you know, a lot of other friends and family that have been super supportive. Um, and then everybody that's coming to Arizona and everybody that's listened to my story and posted on my Facebook and um, the list just goes on and on. It, it's, it's a big list. And if I didn't mention you specifically, it's not because I, I didn't forget anybody, hopefully, but I just appreciate everybody. So. I have some clients in the past who have been in uh, – certain regions where they didn't have anybody to train with and they went through their entire training process pretty much alone. And I can, I can tell you that they tend to not do very well 
because it's a really long training season and we are social beings and we really do uh, perform better when we can be around others. And so I'm so glad that you've been willing to reach out because you're not training with a specific team or anything. You've been basically training on your own, yeah. but um, started really reaching out and getting people to support you along the way. And I think that takes a lot of courage to number one, admit that you need others. Number two, be willing to reach out and ask others to be there with you. And, um, number three, work through the nuances because there's always a nuance that happens when you bring somebody else into your circle. So I just want to congratulate you. And I think that that is a really, really valuable piece of, of what you've experienced this summer. Yeah. I think that's one of my, and there's a few fundamental lessons from this whole thing. But I think that's one of them is, is that, and you know, in the past I used to think I'm not going to ask someone to help me because I don't want to bother them. Like, I'm not important enough for them to take time out of their day to bother them with this, you know, that kind of mentality. Um, and, and what I've learned too is that other people helping me in a way they feel good helping me because I know how good I feel when I help someone else. And so if you don't reach out and let other people help you, you're denying that them that opportunity uh, for joy to be helpful to you. And so it's a two way street. And when I really realized how good it makes me feel to be helpful to others and support others. So I'm returning the favor by allowing them to do that for me. Yes. So um, I've learned a lot about that and definitely has been a big, a big game changer, especially the last couple of months um, in terms of, you know, people training with me and, and, you know, taking time out of their day to support me whatever, in whatever fashion it is that they're supporting me in. Yeah, really, really valuable. I love what you said there, that when we deny other people the opportunity to help us and to be there for us, we're denying them joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really a valuable lesson. Before we got on the call today, you shared a quote with me from uh, Brené Brown's book that you've been sharing with us all along. I'd like to... Yeah. Read that to all of us here. Yeah. Um, she's, she's talking about, actually, it's in a chapter entitled Gratitude and Joy. And it's, it's where I got the comment, too, about the difference between happiness and joy. But the, the quote that I was referring to is, is, the dark does not destroy the light. It defines it. It's our fear of the dark that casts our joy into the shadows. And that really struck me as a great quote because uh, we've talked a lot about contrast and how darkness isn't inherently bad because it makes us appreciate and understand what the light is. If we didn't have that reference point, we wouldn't know what the light is. Um, and it's our fear and dread of the dark um, that really keeps us out of joy and not the dark itself. So you have to have both. It's amazing, too, what happens when we stop running from our fear and we stop and we face it. It reminds me of what parents commonly tell their kids, and I, I think my mom said this to me when I was young, but talking about a nightmare, and I had this repeated nightmare um, that I was running down the road, and it was near a beach where I grew up hanging out in the water, and I'd be running down the road, and there was a monster chasing me, and it's that run where you can't move just trying to get forward like slow motion going through quicksand and and I only was the one who was moving through quicksand but the monster didn't have any quicksand he was moving through so he's gaining on me gaining on me gaining on me gaining on me, gaining on me. and then I would wake up in this in this fret and, and mom would say in your dream stop and turn around and face the monster and I was like I would never do that. No, I just have to learn how to run faster. And she said, no, you have to stop and turn around and face. And it, it took a couple years before I was actually, like I was even willing to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then in, the, in um, one of those dreams, it was the same exact dream, but I did. I stopped and I turned around and I was able to face the monster. And just like a 
Disney Pixar movie, the monster, whoosh, you know, just completely vanished. It wasn't there any longer the minute I turned around and faced it. And so this quote that you're, you're referencing here, it's like when we turn the light onto our fears, we can see that they're not so monstrous as we make them out to be, but they could be like that elephant we referenced earlier. And it's just one small piece at a time that we can focus on to manage whatever it is that is causing alert. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What was it that you, what was it? That's what resonated for me from the quote. What resonated the most for you? You know, and I'll reference, I guess, the race, too, because we talked about dark spots in the race, but you can extrapolate it to life, too. But you can't really appreciate what's good in life without the contrast of the bad. Like, having that contrast makes me really, really appreciate when things are good, um, just how wonderful they are, as opposed to... Um, just normal, I guess. There's a contrast there that really makes me appreciate the good times. And, and that the, the dark times we've talked about contrast too in terms of teaching me what I don't want. And if I didn't have darkness, I wouldn't really understand what I did want. And so I guess the idea really is that you have to have both. I mean, you can't live your entire life in darkness because that's miserable. I spent a lot of time doing that. You can't really live your entire life in the light because then you don't really appreciate or understand where you are. Uh, so you have to have both. And not to, not to dread or fear the darkness, but understand its value and embrace it in a way um, which makes it more tolerable to get through and gives it a frame of reference that makes it um, valuable. Uh, rather than something to fear. How can we use this uh, on race day when you move through your dark spots? What you just said was really profound. How can you stick that to your brain and your psyche to be able to easily access on race day? Well, I think the biggest thing is understanding that they are gonna, there are going to be dark moments. We've talked about it. I've had several during my training season and the experience I have of the joy um, when I come out of that and have gotten past it and finished it and overcome it, that feeling wouldn't be nearly as, as a intense feeling of emotion and happiness had I not had the dark spot. I mean, let's face it, the, one of the reasons it's so intriguing about an Ironman is it is so hard. It is so, like, you do have so many dark spots that when you get to the finish line, it makes that finish so much more exhilarating. If it wasn't hard and you didn't have any moments and you get to the finish line, it's like, eh, okay, I'm done. So understanding that this is setting me up for the good emotion at the end or after that dark spot to just get through it, I think is the big thing. And, and drawing on my experience in the past of how it felt when I got out of that dark spot yeah. and, and embracing it as, okay, this is just going to make it that much sweeter when I get to this next point. Yeah. Um, I think that's the main reference point I get from that quote in terms of how to bring it into race day. Here's a really powerful coaching tool. I want you to think of either an image or a word, or a quote, or just a short sentence that you can use as your icon that will help you register that you're in a dark spot and that you can move through to get to the other side. So what would be a powerful, it's got to be powerful, image, word, quote, or short sentence that you can attach to during that dark spot? Might even be a lyric from a song or a song title. Well, actually, a couple of things are coming to mind, but but one that really comes to mind is just a saying. It's not really, and I'm going to say it's it's a quote from Kim Taylor. <laughs> 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 I'm quoting myself here. 
Um, and I'm, I'm thinking back to that 15 mile run that I had a couple of weekends ago. We had a whole discussion about it uh, last week. I think it was when I looked at my friend when I was hurting and I couldn't hardly stand up and I just wanted to quit. And my comment was, Oh, I'm finishing this fucking race. And so really when I get to those moments, that's what I'm going to tell myself is, Oh, I'm finishing this fucking thing. Uh, I may not know how, and excuse my language. I may not know how, but I'm finishing. Awesome. And then I, I also think of it. There's a, there's a song actually, I think it's new. I, uh, I'd not heard it until like a week ago, but it's called white flag by Daughtry. And yep. Uh, have you heard it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I won't raise, raise my white, white flag, flag until I'm done. Yes. And that comes to mind too, just cause I just heard that earlier today, but I can't my, my quote I think is, Oh, I'm finishing this fucking thing. Okay. So, <laughs> there's another song that every time I hear it, I think of you, not because I don't think that we've even talked about it, but I, I think of you and the song is I was born for this. Mm. I was born for this. Yeah. This day, race day has been a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been training for a year, but I've been thinking about that moment for 10. So. Awesome. As we are starting to wrap up, there are a couple of uh, logistics that I want to share with the listeners. This will be our final interview podcast prior to the race. Uh, from here, we're going to go to Facebook Live. So join us on Kim's page, which is Kim T's Ironman Training. It's actually it's a page, a Facebook page, not a group. So watch for uh, updates and details there. Uh, we're going to do some live sessions once we get into Arizona that expedites the delivery, basically, of, of the message and, and what's kicking and what's going on. But we have two really cool celebrations uh, that have happened, and one of them happened actually today in your home. Can you tell the listeners what happened? Uh, well, I am one of the local news stories. I think we've mentioned this, but one of the local, yeah. local news stories here in Wichita is doing a, a little human interest feature piece on me and around the race and everything. And so earlier today, the reporter and the cameraman, the news crew were here uh, doing an interview. I taped that earlier today, which was exciting. Uh, and um, also for Friday morning, after we get to Arizona, I'm doing a taped interview with Ironman representatives um, as one of their highlight athletes. I think we mentioned that too uh, before. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm feeling like a little a little celebrity. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just gotta add a little mojo to the inner tank. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I will say that you know my old self would have taken that as added stress to have to finish because how embarrassing it would be a news crest, a news crew is doing a story on me about this race. And if I don't finish, how bad's that going to look? But my attitude now is, yeah, I'll share my story tape away because kudos to me for doing what I needed to do to get here. And, you know, if I finish great, if I don't, it's not an embarrassment. It's not anything that, um, really tarnishes the story it's just well this is just how it ended it's not a good or a bad thing so that definitely represents the big shift in me that I'm able to do that I'm like wait I'm sorry who are you and where is my client Kim <laughs> <laughs> I think you remember when I first like when we first started working together you kind of knew who I was because I was my old self and now nine times out of 10 or a little more, maybe I'm kind of who I am now when we talk, but there was a long period in the middle where I'm sure when we would set up for a phone call where you would wait and wonder which one am I getting today? <laughs> <laughs> am I getting the butterfly or the caterpillar? <laughs> oh all good stuff it's all part of the, the, the journey that's one of the things I love about my job I mean I'm so lucky to be able to 
do this and be a part of your experience and my other clients' experiences too. It's just, I love it, love it, love it, love it. Because then the, the other thing that happens is the benefit doesn't just stay with you. It gets radiated out onto so many other people. And that's the only way we're really going to have a dramatic impact on the world. Yeah. It's like exponential growth. Yes. In, in the sports world, like, you know, basketball coaches, they talk about coaching trees where a prominent college basketball coach may have a, a long line of assistant coaches over the years that they groom and then they go on to be head coaches somewhere that runs successful programs. And so they refer to that as, you know, somebody's coaching tree. And so at this point you're kind of building a coaching tree because yeah. you, you know, you, you coach someone and you, tra- you help someone change like myself. And then I go out and I start a wellness clinic and then I, you know, whatever. So it definitely is a ripple effect. Um, that, you know, when you throw a pebble in the water, it's a big ripple effect. So you have your own coaching tree going on now at this point. Yeah, I like it. And I love that image of the uh, tree with branches that are reaching up to the heavens and then the roots that are reaching down into the earth. That, that image is so profound for me. So I like it. <laughs> yeah. As we're going out today, what's your song for us? My song today is with a specific purpose of saying thank you to all my supporters and crew and everybody that's coming to Arizona, everybody that's invested in my success. And it's by Natalie Merchant and it's called Kind and Generous. So it's like my little thank you to all the listeners, to everybody. So here we are, listeners, Kind and Generous by Natalie Merchant.
Thank you so much, listeners, for being here with us today. Kim, thank you for being uh, willing and courageous and um, accessible to share your story with us. Congratulations on the news um, story that is being done on you, both locally in Wichita and also with Ironman. And I'm so excited to see you in person in just a couple of days. And listeners, we're going to Facebook Live for the next uh, episode. So we look forward to seeing you there. And if any of you are coming down to Ironman to join us, we cannot wait to meet you in person. Thank you for being here with us. If you access the podcast today from my website, please add your name into the box on the side so that we can keep you posted with the next one. And if you listen to this on iTunes, if you can go ahead and rate it for us or give us a review, we would love that because that's what helps us get the story out to more and more people. Time to sign off for now. Have a fantastic week. And remember to always imagine the possibilities in your own life. Keep moving to live and living to move. Thanks for being with us today. We invite you to join us on our mission to move people forward and upward. Go to jillmsummers.com. That's jillmsommers.com for more information and to listen to other inspiring podcasts. And remember to do one thing today that moves your life forward, which impacts others around you to do the same.